We are good to go. Awesome. We're good to go. All right. Well, thank you, my my dear friend Ben Benjamin, oh, uh, formerly known or commonly known as Greaves. Um, first thing, what incense is that? What is what's the scent there? It's called Gorgo. What does it smell like? Fucking, I don't know. My ladies into these like super expensive homeware shits, and these <laughs> are like fucking like forty bucks for like a little bottle of these things. Ah, okay. And... Did I, have I told you that I can't smell? What? Is yeah. it from the COVID? No, um, my entire life. <laughs> I think maybe you did, but it's fucked up. Yeah, that's fucked up. You can't, but you, so you can't taste anything either. Or well, that's a super common question. Um, I can still taste. In fact, I I have pure taste because I don't get the combination of the smell. You know what I mean? Damn. So Nick definitely does not eat booty. There's no way that Nick eats booty because he is tasting what you had for lunch. Like a fucking dog down there. Um, yeah, no comment. But uh, I do love incense, though, surprisingly. I don't know, it just makes me feel calm. You know? Yeah, you could just feel them. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I like, like, I don't know. It has a thing. But all right. So thank you so much uh, for, for calling in um, and doing this podcast with me. This is the yeah. uh, NTM podcast. Um, and then for anyone watching now or after the fact, you are Greaves. Um, and we met here at this studio, actually, um, Rap House Phoenix, when you mm -hmm. were on tour with uh, Webby, Locksmith, uh, Squires, all them, all those guys. And we stayed in touch ever since. Um, and we ended up uh, getting to open a show for you. So me and Oren met, met up with you in Hawaii. We did the show in Hawaii. Uh, had a fun time and then we hung out at my my uncle's place and Hell yeah. went in the water and, and did all that fun stuff. But um. But yeah, man. So I wanted to talk to you because you are, and I've said, we're going to repeat a lot of things, I think, but you are one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the music industry that I know. Um, just, I mean, you've been doing this 15 years, right? Long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Um, so yeah, I just want, the purpose of these podcasts is usually just so that aspiring artists can kind of learn from your story and your success and, and kind of take inspiration um, that a guy like you could make it. I mean, and that's like, you know, this shit didn't really exist when I started. Like, mm. MySpace had just, like, happened. It was, like, a thing, but people were really just using it to, like, I don't know. Nobody knew how to use the internet like right. that at that time. So it was still this, like, kind of indie hustle when I started where it was, like, you know, you were looking for the label. You were looking for the distribution deal. You were doing shit kind of in the old school um terms of things and i think i held on to that idea for a lot longer than i i should have even when i did sign a deal um i signed with a label that was you know great in all respects but they were very um set in their ways with the way that they did things and whenever i proposed kind of new things it was like 20 reasons why not to and then like one reason why maybe that would be okay but we're not gonna mm. let you do it anyways um so who was that first label that you signed with I mean, that was Rhyme Stairs. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I had like little, little bops, you know, here and there, like before that. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think in like 2009, I had reached out to a friend of mine that was on that label. And I was like, yo, I'm just, I'm fucking like dusted. I'm bent out of shape with all this. And I can't keep doing this. Like, if I don't get the distribution mm -hmm. and I passed up a, what was big back then was, the, it was called Koch. So I passed up a Koch distribution deal with the label at the time because the uh, 
kind of the terms of the deal that they had with that label was no distro deal unless I sign with like sign on paper with that label saying that all of my stuff goes through them and they will distribute to me. And I was like, nah, hmm. that was never the deal. Um, I can't do it. Um, so I left and, you know, I pissed those guys off a lot. Um, yeah. And I didn't mean, you know, I, it wasn't intent, you know, it, it wasn't meant with malice or anything like that, but I had already noticed some pretty poor behavior in the financial department with that whole situation. And I was like, mm. I'm not gonna, I, there's no way that the distribution deal is riding on the fact that I have to sign with you. Right. So either you're lying to me or they're, they got some crazy shit going on and I should just skip you and go straight to them. Um, yeah. Either way that, you know, I passed that up. Those dudes were mad. I was like, this is exhausting. At that point, you know, I'd been touring for like four years, just relentlessly around the country. Okay. So, yeah. So this is, so at what point was this? You'd been touring for four years. What year do you think this was? It was like 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. So I had already been grinding it out. Um, and we used MySpace as a tool at the very beginning because we had like a, a bi-weekly event here in Seattle that we called Indie Hop. <laughs> and, you know, it was because we weren't getting put on shows a lot. So we didn't really know what to do. Um, and, you know, my fucking ass was like, well, if they won't book a shows, we got to book the shows. And so, <laughs> you know, we found this dude that was pretty uh, excited to give us this room of Friday for free plus 10 percent of the bar which wow. is crazy I, in my whole career i've never had a better deal of the bar that's 100 yeah. percent a door and 10 percent a bar wow. and no room fee he just like if you can bring people in here i you know he was it was a failing business but we put <laughs> fucking 400 people in that room because you know we could charge whatever we wanted because right. he wasn't charging us anything so we were doing five dollar cover yeah and then we were making enough money off those $5 covers to actually pay people to come and play. So we were paying, you know, at that time, what we considered bigger artists to come out. And we really built that thing. And we were able to use that as leverage across the country to be like, hey, here's this thing that we do. We also see that you do shows where you live. How about we come play your thing? And then if you ever find your way to Seattle, you come rock this thing. We'll like put you in a really good slot. Um, and yeah. you know that we that's how we networked across the country fucking looking back that's, at it, it was yeah pretty that's crazy but. huge man um and that's just a great like mindset i guess like to be able to provide value and then use that to you know get something in return so like for you building those relationships um outside of your your home state by building something of a lot of value there yeah um yeah and that's you know a lot of people ask me I'm doing shows in my home city. Um, they're going really well, but I want to branch out. How do I do that? And that's usually my answer is like, say you have a draw in your own city um, or you do your own events like you were doing, offer to to provide that venue to someone on the road and then exchange. Hopefully they'll let you do a show with them somewhere else um, and just kind of trade that value. I think that that is still, especially for like kids on the come up, like, if you can put people in a room on your own and you can show a touring artist, like, let's say me, fuck it. Like, let, let's use me as an example. I am way more eager to work with you if I know, A, you're taking it seriously to the point that, like, you you committed to the point where you're playing live shows and you're 
actually putting people in the room, which means other people do like your music right. or you're just extremely popular in your hometown. Like you're that, you're that dude. Yeah. Um, either way that I'd rather have you on the show um, than nobody or like the promoter's homie. That's like, Hey, you met my friend Ian. Cause he raps, <laughs> or he has rapped. He has written a rap. Can he open for you? And you're just like, Ian. Oh shit. Okay. Ian. And like, you know, you get a lot of that sometimes. Um, and I, I am much more eager to work with the cats that can bring people to the room selfishly. It benefits me, you know, because I get in front of your crowd and you get to flex that be like, Hey, next time you do that, let's do this. But also can I region, like, can I play regionally with you? Like, fuck it. If you're playing Phoenix and you're going to Tucson and you're coming from New Mexico or, you know, wherever, like, let me rock those three shows with you. Now I probably, I can't really draw like that in those areas, but if you are popping in your hometown, like I'm in Seattle, right? So naturally the first place for me to go was Portland. Mm -hmm. And I had a little bit there, like it had trickled down a little bit. Um, you know, I went to high school in Colorado. So I started going to places where I had familiarity where people knew who I was and even they would just come out if they knew me. Um, and after a while, you know, Colorado became one of my biggest markets. Like, uh, when I came out with, I think it was winter and the wolves, we, we made a move on the Ogden, which is 1900 cap venue. Wow. Um, and I mean, you know, that started playing in Denver. We were playing fucking 50 person, like back bar shows and shit like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. Um, <laughs> And, you know, at the same time with all that shit, it's also mind state. Like, if you think just because you're playing shows that you're the motherfucking man now and, you know, all due respect, you should be going on tour. You should have the bus with your name on it and fucking, you know, your 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 dick is constantly covered in blowjobs. <laughs> like, it's I see a lot of that as well. Yeah. Like, I see a lot of like uh, fucking I'm popping around here like you know, let me jump on the road with you. I'll hook you up with a deal. You know, I, I yeah, like 1500 bucks a night or something like that, you know, like something modest. And it's <laughs> like, whoa, man. Yeah. I toured for eight years without a paycheck. I felt like, you know, just wow. scraping by to get gas in the tank. When we were doing the bigger tours, like when we were opening up for Atmosphere, I toured with fucking T-Pain, like all sorts of bizarre <laughs> um, tours for me. But you know, I, I would, I figured it out a little early. If you're following a bus tour, I would holler at them because most successful bus tours will get something called a day room because they don't want to use the showers and the facilities at the, ho or at the venue. Mm -hmm. So they'll get one or two, maybe three day rooms where they just go there, they shower, they shit, they shave, they watch a little TV, they call their loved ones, they plug into the internet and then they leave that hotel room, but they bought it for the night. So I would go in and be like, can I get your day rooms? Yeah. Not doing anything with them. Like, I don't care if the sheets are dirty. Like, you know, so I was sleeping in day rooms and I was following bus tours, which is exhausting because wow. they can drive eight hours overnight and just wake up there and not blink an eye at it. Yeah. But for you to drive eight hours and make it by sound check, you got to leave it like fucking four in the morning. Yeah. So it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, man. Um... Yeah, and then the other thing with touring that I that we talked about before that I thought was really awesome was uh, how you built up. So, like, not only did you build up those local shows to try and uh, grow your network and, and get outside uh, the state, but also you had the van, right? 
um, you had the van that you offered as another asset to improve your value to a tour. That was my leverage. And, and right. I, when we bought the van, we didn't think that that was, we just thought we were going to be doing a lot of touring, mm -hmm. right? Like we had committed to the idea of doing a lot of touring. Um, we didn't do the, well, I'm going to get this van and then I, you know, I'm going to dangle the carrot in front of everybody <laughs> and they're going to uh, want us to tour with them. It did kind of turn out that way. Um, yeah. The van was a leverage point for us because people found out. And especially back then, even now, like I look at that, the expense of that is huge. Mm -hmm. um, we rent now because that van ended up fucking geysering oil out the yeah. top of that thing. But like we rent vans now and I look at what I pay for, let's say I'm on cycle, I'm doing my a market tour that's probably going to be close to two months right right i'm dropping 15 20 racks on a van just just to rent it for those two months for for those two months and i could have bought that motherfucker <laughs> almost yeah. you know like you add the b market and then all the spot dates are doing that year you could fuck around and buy that van but then you're not considering like the oil changes on a sprinter are like $400 every time you got to do it. It's yeah. absolutely fucking insane. The, any sort of maintenance on those things, like we had a Mercedes sprinter in the early two thousands, you break down in Wyoming. This really happened. We broke down in Wyoming and we had this dude go scratching his head. And he's like, I do not do the thing with the star on it. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> it's like the star. And he's pointing at the Mercedes emblem. Oh, and I was like, okay and we had to have our fucking van towed from rock springs wyoming to denver colorado Jeez. because that's the closest place we could get somebody to work on that fucking van yeah. um so it, it definitely had its downfalls and then after that i was like fuck this i'm renting there's a wonderful company out there that's scattered across the united states called uh bandigo hmm. and they are a rental company you know, you're going to pay more if it's like top touring season, if you're touring, like, I'm sure now they're pretty much giving those fucking things away because you can't <laughs> yeah. tour right now. But yeah. um, so we just started using them because, you know, that van breaks down, they send another one out to you. Um, you all the insurance, everything is just taken care of. So it might be 15 racks, 10, 15 racks for a tour or whatever. But I don't know how much am I paying on that van? But so I wouldn't rush out and get a van thinking that's going to get you oh, yeah, on yeah. tours. <laughs> if you fucking happen to have one, maybe try like, or, or if you got money like that and this is, I don't know, I feel bad for saying it, but if you do have kind of disposable income like that, um, maybe offer to pay for the transportation or at least pay your way in the transportation right. will get you closer in to being in front of those crowds um if you're worried that just your music alone or your talent alone isn't going to get you there because let's be real there's a million other motherfuckers out right. there uh that got records out that want to go on tour it's that is not like a rare thing like i could turn around i could go outside right now and find a <laughs> motherfucker that wants to go on tour yeah. yeah i could go to my neighbor's house and be like what's up terry i know you're like 76 but do you want to go on tour he'd be like yes i want to go like yeah. it's it's uh, yeah, your that's... want and your need to tour is not going to set you out. It's not going to make you special, um, especially right. when people are considering. 
if you have agents, that's a different thing. You know, like when I was touring, uh, I was signed to the uh, agency group back when they were like larger than life. And so my, who did he have? He had, uh, my agent had Iconopop at the time and they were mm. fucking huge. Um, so what he would do is kind of be like, look, if you put him on the show, I'll pitch one of your artists for the Iconopop uh, thing. Or yeah. if you book him at your venue, I will give you first pick on the Iconopop show coming through in April or something like that. Yeah. So agents do have a lot of value to the point that they can leverage their roster to help you um, in both those scenarios. Right. But they're also yeah. taking money. Yeah. Yeah, you told me something about that before, and I thought that was really interesting because, you know, everyone on your team or who you're connected with, um, if they have any kind of leverage or connections, like there's all kinds of, I guess you could call them deals that go down behind the scenes where, you know, nothing just happens. And that's kind of no. what I've been learning is that everything that happens, someone knew someone or someone had some kind of connection. And and that's the thing. But um, But with the van, like, I think it's just a really good point that the music's not enough um, most times because there's so many good artists um, to where talent is pretty much a prerequisite. So if you can provide some other value, whether it's, you know, ticket draw or money or transportation or, you know, lodging, um, that would be cool too. Like any of those things where you can provide value and stand out from the crowd, that gives you a much better shot at, you know, joining someone's tour. And, and that's actually like the example that you talked about. That's what we did. So like with Oren, we offered to open for a couple of your shows um, where he had draw. So like Atlanta yeah. and St. Louis, same thing, you know, just because we, we knew trade it. that draw. Yeah. Because we have that, yeah. that value we can provide to you and then it'll help the relationship. Um, and that's kind of how it goes. But you mentioned something earlier about uh, all these artists with egos, right? Thinking they deserve um, all this shit and shows and whatever. And do you like, do you think the ego thing is just uh, everywhere or do you think it's in hip hop specifically that it's different? Cause you've met a lot of people in this industry and I'm always curious about it. I, I don't know. I think First of all, like, I just think that the, the music business in general has, like, an exuberant amount of, like, toxic masculinity. Right. <laughs> um, because it's, like, you know, it's a wheeling and dealing fucking grease the wheels kind of business that, like, if you succeed in it, then you must be something, right? Mm -hmm. And fame um, comes with that. And, and fame is notorious for, you know, compromising one's character um be because of that ego because mm. of what you think um you are owed or or maybe you got used to something and that thing got taken away um so i don't know i've met like you know when i was on warp tour in 2011 like those fucking some of those dudes out there are fucking bitches like <laughs> i've never seen somebody like th that shit's crazy and like even touring with some of the bigger like when i've done like arena tours and stuff i've I've had those artists, like when I toured with the gym class heroes, Travi McCoy's a fucking badass, like mm. cool dude. He was like, he came to me one day and he was like, yo, I just want to ride in the van with you guys today. Like all good if I just like hop out the bus <laughs> and hop in the van with you guys and just like kick it. And I was like, fuck that. Why don't I hop in the bus? <laughs> yeah. I'll take a fucking nap. You can get up in this fucking van and grind it out if you want. But like, you know, it is perspective. And mm. I think I think hip hop definitely 
has and caters to that like braggadocio right. um, here's what i have here's what i can do kind of attitude um but i just think the idea of success can fuck with people a little bit because mm. i've met like local cats that just can't keep it under control um mm. that kind of big fish small pond scenario um and my rule on tour um plainly is just none of that shit um, <laughs> you know you've met pretty much my whole team right. um and i want i have always wanted and i will fire a motherfucker um if if this is compromised and and so my rule is when i show up to the venue i want high spirits i don't mm-hmm. care for having a bad day because they don't care if we're having a bad right. day there's places you can go to have a bad day right so you just got to get your job done you got to smile at the fucking sound gate if he's being a fucking cocksucker you just let it go you just fucking <laughs> let it go because you got nothing to prove to the 60 year old curmudgeon ass motherfucker that's trying to tell you how to set your shit up you've done this every day for the past year don't worry about him uh, you know, when you when you get to the promoter, when you get to the stage manager, when you get to fucking uh, the production assistant and manager, I want when when we leave that venue, I want them to write my agent and be like, those fucking guys are awesome. Like they are a pleasure to have. They're super easy, you know, super accommodating, weren't a pain in the ass. Like that is my rule on mm. super. And I have fired people over that got too much um or like you know caught them yelling at somebody on the side it's i can't have that behavior um because i think and i do tribute my success to like yeah we're musicians but fuck it we're venue cats too like i like i owned and operated a studio my tour manager was working at the crocodile which is my favorite venue here in seattle Mm -hmm. um for years when we were on the road my sound guy was from the crocodile and from the showbox like all of these people are the people that you're disrespecting right now. So mm. why are we touring with you? Um, I think that's the same as local cats. Like fucking fuck it. Like tip your sound guy. Like show up, remember people's names, you know, understand how a venue works. Don't show up and expect shit. Don't show up with 20 of your fucking friends sneaking people in the fucking back, going into the artist green room and drinking their mm. beer, eating their fucking veggie plate or whatever it is. Like show up ready to work um have that idea and that mind state of wanting to work and and connect with people and you will always be called back even if your fucking music sucks that's some other shit if your music sucks but your attitude is good nine times out of ten i'm gonna choose you over the next motherfucker um and i'm gonna remember you which is ultimately what you want right Mm -hmm. like and fuck me it's just in general like let's say you open up for anyone Mm -hmm. uh now maybe your goal is to like well, i want to open for kodak black okay maybe he doesn't give a fuck about your <laughs> attitude but just in general and in, in as building blocks you know maybe kodak black doesn't give a fuck about what you think but maybe kodak black was a motherfucker to everyone all night long and you were the only one that was nice to people at the venue everyone at that venue is going to remember you yeah. so when the next artist that you like comes through they're going to remember your name and be like, wait, we worked with this dude. He's professional. He brought some people. And just ultimately, he was like a nice 
easy to work with human being. Right. Um, that will always get you good graces, you know, with your local venues, which you definitely fucking want. If you want to be getting that stage time, you might fuck around, make some money too. They might be <laughs> like, we're going to fit you into the budget when we're booking shows, right. which is, you know, we do that sometimes. Like we, we have an allotment that we have out of our end, but sometimes, um, you know, the venues and the booking agents and the promoters and stuff for the venue will be like, also, we have like a $500 local budget. Hmm. That could be your 500 bucks right. to show up and play 20 minutes set. <laughs> I'll take it yeah. if you don't want it. Fuck it. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it sounds the overall theme there was just you, you take it as a professional. Like it's a job. Yes. And I think a lot of people are delusional about what it means to be an artist or especially, especially successful artist to where it's, you're just famous, you know, you're a celebrity, whatever. Um, but yeah, you go in there every day with the mindset that this is a job. I have a job to do. These people are counting on me. Um, and you take it very professionally. And then, you know, with how you treat people, um, there's a, a good quote. It's like, people will forget what you did and what you said, but they won't forget how you made them feel. Um, so, you know, even if you, they don't really remember you specifically, they remember, oh yeah, he, were, he was here um, and he did a good job and he was like really polite to everyone. Um, and yeah, that goes a long way because that's what you're looking for. But yeah, man, I, I just think it's awesome that you've been doing it so long and, and, you know, you still take it professionally. And I think for you, part of why your ego, and this is just me guessing, didn't blow up is because it was a grind, you know, it took a very long time. Whereas a lot of people who get successful really quickly they don't have that appreciation for it yeah. yeah it can be a thing i mean i've seen i've seen it go the other direction you know i've seen like people that kind of were also like pleasures to work with mm. um i i think it may kind of revolve around just kind of your mindset with all right. of that like does does achieving this make you like is it the fuck y'all yo kiss my ass like <laughs> is it that is that what you want? Do you want to be better than everyone else, uh, like status-wise, or like do you just want to explore the maximum potential of your talent? Right. Um, and yeah, the reasoning behind why you're doing it. Yeah, and you know, I look at you know, I've had different management, and I've you know sat in big label meetings and all sorts of stuff, and that can that can vary on what people kind of dangle in front of you. And mm -hmm. fame is definitely something that people dangle in front of you. But my goal has always been to reach the maximum potential of my talent. Um, I don't fucking care. I am, you know, I socially, I don't really fuck around with a lot of people. Like I don't mm -hmm. really want to be, I don't want to have all those eyes on me. I'm much more comfortable in this room, you know, <laughs> fucking doing my shit. Um, I am interested in the paycheck that comes with that because this is a business and right. I have dedicated, you know, shy of half my life to this. You know, I just turned 37 and I've been doing this for 15 plus years. Yeah. This is what I do now because what am I going to do? You know, I'm going to leave and just like go be a line cook. <laughs> I am dedicated to a life in music at this point. Um, and I can't look back. So I do have to maximize my potential and, and I also have to be humble enough to adapt to change, which when people start to get to kind of my senior in, in the business or when people get to my age, they go, I don't understand why you keep doing it. Why can't we just do it the way that we were doing it? Right. All these fucking kids, blah, blah, blah. Like I need to 
have the willingness to change with the business because technology has changed the music industry on all levels from you know artistry to distribution to studios like right. we're not going to big time studio studios anymore half of them fucking closed down like mm. i don't need to be sitting in front of a you know hundred thousand dollar neve console right. like, <laughs> i don't and 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 i could find somebody on the internet to mix this shit better than i've ever heard in my life mm -hmm. uh for half the price like back in the day we were taking that advance money to go and rent these studios out and we were dropping 50 grand to fucking record our records right. you don't have to do that anymore and it's it, it not only do you not have to do it but it is not expected of you anymore like yeah. the fans are used to this format they are used to um where things lie sonically with the music so you, you don't have to spend that money anymore fans are used to having singles opposed to full albums and mm -hmm. i could be like well i only make albums they could be like that's all good but if you take longer than a year i don't know who you are <laughs> right like you got you're dead to me and you know that's hard and i fought that for a really long time i was like i love and appreciate the journey um you know kind of the emotional um, connection of a record front to back back to right. front um and you know if you're not putting music out constantly or at least a few times a year um people will move on and it's it, it that is something that i've had to adapt to as much as i dislike that idea um you know my first record came out my big record came out in 2011 and we'll call it my first because it was like on the label it was um mass distributed we hit top one on the billboard heat seekers mm. like it was my record um and then i didn't put another record out from 2011 to 2014. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. that was okay yeah. and i was touring half the fucking mm. you know most right. of that time and i was reinventing that record constantly because we went warp tour to my first national headlining tour and then the national headliner tour went so well that we're like, well, let's try B markets. Bam, we did B markets. It went so well that by the time we were done with that B market tour, those A markets were opening up again. So we're like, <laughs> we fucking hit the A markets again. So we went and hit the A markets. And then other people were like, who the fuck is this kid? Do you want to come on tour with me? So then now we're opening tours for bigger acts. We're doing different shit. Um, and we were busy and we opened our eyes and it was three years later and we're like, we don't have a record <laughs> at all, yeah. you know? So, um, and that, that was kind of back in the day, how things used to be, you know, right. you would work that record, you would milk that record. Um, and I don't know, you know, even today, like that record itself on Spotify has like 39 million record streams. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's skyrockets over the others. And it, is it because it's my best piece of work or is it because it's the one that we worked the hardest? Mm. I don't know. Um, I do think that there's a lot of like classic music on there as far as the experience with me, because that's when the world was really got to discover me, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's where my lens got kind of broadened and everybody that didn't know who the fuck I was got, got a chance um, yeah. at, at that point. Um, so maybe that was like, oh, I, I like this record so much because it was the beginning of my relationship with this artist or mm -hmm. 
is it truly better or, or was it because we spent three years fucking beating the dicks off of it <laughs> i don't know well, yeah that's probably a factor but also it could just be um that back then you know spotify and streaming platforms were less oversaturated and so with less music out there maybe it, it had a better shot of getting you know streamed and streamed over and over again by listeners and and then as the years went on in 2011 i don't even know i remember I, like... I went to sweden I, I did my first european tour and i got back i was living in new york and i just turned right back around got on the plane and flew back to sweden i was like this plane's crazy um but i was kicking it with these people in this like little house party and they had this thing that looked like itunes but it was green oh yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck is this and they're like spotify <laughs> you don't have spotify and i was like what the fuck is a spotify and they're like well you're on here <laughs> i was like yeah. huh but i don't know if i don't know if that was 2011 i don't know if uh yeah, it yeah. didn't even really exist. We weren't talking about Spotify numbers back then. I know that I know. much. We that's, were like iTunes sales. That's what's crazy too. Um, and you know, you talk about the labels and the advances and how that used to go into huge overhead of these really expensive high-end studios and engineers and mixers and all that. Um, how do you and you've been with you've been in the industry so long? Do you think that labels have been able to adequately uh transition or move forward with technology because i i feel like they're kind of struggling to figure out where their value is now um in the streaming age i think it depends who you sign with okay. um if you're if you're rocking like an indie label um i would hope that they have like this grasp on the ever-changing um kind of ecosystem that right. is like social media and technology and you know these fucking things man yeah like, this is how this is we do everything with these now right um so i would hope that that label has a grasp on those things and connections with you know different app companies and shit like that to like get you featured on stuff and 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 stuff like that um when when things like major labels can make a fucking phone call and just make shit happen right. um which is much different and you know a lot of people look at that and go why well, I, I want that but that comes with mm. a price as well um and you know is kind of the the freedom and and almost the financial freedom uh of a indie label you take less money you owe less money right mm -hmm. And if we're talking about recouping million dollar advances off of streaming money, you're the business guy here. You know how many streams <laughs> that takes. That's, um, yeah, that's billions. And if you don't recoup <laughs> that money, you're, that's it. Like yeah. everything you put out after that is going to recouping that advance. So you just made a million dollars in your career. That's it. Right. You can make more than that. You're going to have to yeah. give it back to your career. So it's not like you're going to be walking around with millions of dollars. Like we've easily made more than that. We just had to put it back in. Right. Um, now, would you rather be the one doing it or, you know, I guess you could just sign a deal. I mean, fuck it. I would right now. I would just sign <laughs> a million dollar deal, drop a fucking record on them. They'd be like, well, this is not. And I'll be like, oops, I guess I'm done. <laughs> and I just Homer Simpson meme back into the bushes with my million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah, that's the thing a lot of people they don't understand that an advance is literally just an advance you have yeah. to pay it back and then with that that's a lump sum so first off there's taxes right and then second off you don't have income anymore 
you have no more monthly income. So if you're making it's not coming money from the label or yeah, or anything like that, all that money is now paying off the label and you're technically in debt, you know, like it's not so it's like a my... non-forgivable loan, right? right. Like they're not going to come after you for money unless you've just signed the worst contract in the world. <laughs> yeah. But like, they're not going to come after you for that million dollars. It's just, you're never going to see another dollar from right. that label. And they, if they're offering you a million dollars, they've already kind of calculated that you're going to make a million dollars. Yeah. The, the, I've watched great artists get bodied by these things. And I'm not talking millions of dollars. I'm talking like $250,000 advances or something like that. Mm. And just tanked. And that's the advance. You also have to recoup the costs of the record. So your mm -hmm. advance is added on top of all the other things that you have to recoup. So mm -hmm. if you're talking back in the day when you're physically distributing records and they're like, we are going full scale push, there's going to be a hundred copies in every major metropolitan city in the fucking world. Like think about how much that costs, not yeah. to mention, you know, the shipping of those things. Um, PR yeah. kind of a dead art like I've never been really successful um, with PR or publicists or anything like that, but that shit ain't cheap. Um, you also have to recoup that yeah. music videos. Yeah. Those aren't free. Yeah. And back in the day, people, cats were paying a hundred thousand dollars like normally for a music <laughs> video like that. That's yeah. like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, but also instead of, getting what is it like 0. 0.06 dicks in a penny <laughs> yeah. like whatever it is oh, per stream oh, yeah. but like you know people were selling millions of records back then so we're talking more money to deal with yeah. um even like a flop of a record would have sold like thousands and thousands of copies um which is still bringing in a lot of money at 14.99 right um it's just it's taken more money to make it but since something like spotify we can just throw it on the internet and they're like well it didn't cost you any money to put it here so we're just gonna give you like i don't know nothing like a back rub or something for it <laughs> here's the deal you get a million streams give you a back rub it'll be great mm -hmm. um so it's different but you you also like you started this off kind of talking about like being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and nobody told me how to handle my money at the beginning. And I wish that I would have had better advice. I wish I would have spent less money on going on dead end tours and buying fucking vans and like mm. certain shit. I bought in two vans. Now mm. the first one paid itself off for sure. The second one, no fucking way. Like it didn't even make it out of Seattle at the beginning of the tour. Oh yeah. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, it, so that sucked, but I just wasn't getting great advice. Um, you know, I, the advice that I was getting is like, look, we're going to spend it now, but we're going to make it back later. And that's not, that's not great. Like how, um, how are we going to make it back later? Yeah. Show yeah. me the plan, yeah. you know, show me the five year plan or whatever it is. But like, we just, and, and to be honest, like, you know, that can be the tax of working with your friends. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't regret it. It's just, I do wish that I would have had a, like, financially better advice um mm. i you know we talked last time like you own a house um that would be the first thing i would encourage somebody to right. do with their money is in, invest in real estate or land or so you know they're not making any more of it yeah 
they're not making more land. Like there is no more land. You can't like just make land. It's fucking buy buy you some. Uh, invest in things so that you can have your life in music. Right. Instead of turning thirty and being like shit. Well, I'm kind of like I'm three quarters of the way up the mountain. I guess I'm a fucking mountain climber now because I can't like turn back. Like yeah. it, this is where I'm at now. So. I wish I would have had that perspective a little earlier so that I would have been set up a little better. I wish I would have bought in Seattle instead of being like, no, you don't need to, you know, what you need to do is buy a studio. You need to buy a studio. And, and, and I fucking should have bought a house. I, you know, I would have, God, man, if I would have bought a house in Seattle, when I bought my studio, I'd have a million dollars right now because of the way that the market went up. I've watched it. I've done the math and I'm like, no, I have a million dollars right now. Don't do the math. Um, So I would, I would start looking at the money that you're making and you know, what kind of future you want to have in this business and what kind of financial freedom you want to to make art. Right. Because that's ultimately you're grinding it out. You got two jobs. All you can dream about is going on tour and making enough money. So you don't have to work those two jobs anymore. And the thing that makes you the happiest is what pay makes your paychecks. Hmm. But now the thing that makes you the happiest is now the thing that pays your bills. So yeah. it, it is a different relationship with that thing. Um, because you rely on that thing. Now it's hmm. not this thing that you do on the side that makes you feel good it always should be that it should always be a thing that makes you feel good but it's also the thing that pays your bills now so you need to look at it like a business you need to show up to the venue not be a bitch you need to like (laughs) you need to take value in yourself but don't overvalue yeah don't get the ego involved yeah yeah and you need to look at the money that you're bringing in and like just budget your career like can you say that like just budget your fucking career like stop spending money on shit you don't need stop looking at the microphone i have and thinking that's what you need to make your next one you don't right. um, stop buying into shit i look at the stuff that you post where it's like you want a blue check mark send a thousand dollars to my cash app yeah. and blah, blah, blah. it's like stop buying shit that if anybody is selling you something that's gonna make you something it's a fucking hoax right like Take your talent, take your skills, take the knowledge that you can get from shit like this, apply it towards your real life situations. Right. Because some of the stuff I've said is completely non-applicable to people, you know? So take the things that you've learned, twist them a little bit into what works in your world and always be you. Make right. your music, be your artist, and hopefully goodness will come to you. Because at the same time, I you know I can't just say, you know, do all these things and you shall <laughs> yeah. receive. It's yeah, just, there's there's no right answer. And that's that's kind of the thing. Like everyone's situation is very different, but unfortunately a lot of people, um, and not even just in this music industry, but everything, um, have a kind of like a delusional idea of what success is or how they're gonna become successful, um, without any kind of structure to it. You know, they think I'm doing this right now and then tomorrow or the next day something's going to happen and then I'll have made it. Um, and you know, there is no real end destination. You know, the journey is the destination and how you get there, um, is by being extremely realistic 
um, and self-aware, you know, like this is how much money I'm making. This is how much I'm spending on this bullshit or I'm spending on studio time or I'm spending on, you know, beat licenses, whatever, and just figure out how those calculations make sense. And if they don't make sense, you got to change something. You got to yeah. figure something out. Um, and so there's no shame because a lot of people get embarrassed. Like, Oh, I have a day job. You know, I want to be a full-time musician. It's like, well, if you have a day job that allows you to do the music thing and you're not like worried about shit, do that. You know, there's no, I mean, people get embarrassed about it. And it's weird. Adds pureness to your music too, because you're not mm. stressing out. Like, Hey, why the fuck am I not like, why am I struggling so much off of my music when I think my music is great? Like if, if you use your music money, like, keep your day job right use your music money to benefit your music career right. like put it in a separate account fucking buy some cryptocurrency whatever the fuck you want to do <laughs> yeah. but like uh put it in an account called your tour account right, right. like you really right. want to go on tour maybe maybe just all of this is just to experience music right? right so you don't really care if you like make this a living but you like you you do want to go on tour and you do mm -hmm. want to meet new fans and shit like that. It's expensive. Like we could break down the cost of it if you want, but like you got, like, have you ever gone on vacation? <laughs> right. Same thing. It's that every day. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not eating at home. You're sleeping in a hotel mm -hmm. and the, and you're renting a, a car and you have to fill that car full of gas. And then you're like, Oh shit, it's been a week. Where am I going to do my laundry? I can't right. just go to, to my laundry room and do my laundry. So like, everything that you need to do you got to pay for pretty much um and you don't have any familiarity so like are you a strong human being like right <laughs> yeah like up here like it, yeah. it i've watched cats break in a week on yeah. tour just because they all of their little creature comforts are gone and and it's just not for them yeah. um yeah a and, lot of people i think think they want that they want that tour life or but until you try it, man, you don't know how, how tough that is. I've only done it like a few days. And even that was, and it, we, we were pretty luxurious. We had Airbnbs, you know, it was like, it was a good tour. Um, but even then it was like sleeping in a different bed every night. And, you know, some people got the floor and it's, it can yeah. wear on you very quickly. Well, if you tour with us, it's like, we're not, there's no after parties. We're not fucking right. like going to the club after, like you got Colin being like, all right show's over everyone's out of the venue you guys got an hour and a half to break down because it's a 45 minute drive to the hotel right. that leaves us fucking you know if we're able to check in in 20 minutes that gives us five hours of sleep you need to get the fuck in take a shower tonight because we are getting up van call at 6 a.m i'm not fucking with you i will yes. leave you here i will leave you here and he will leave you there Collins he's awesome. like and you are gonna have to fucking get an uber seven hours out like you're gonna have to figure it out but i will fucking leave you here so you need to be up ready to go you can fall asleep in the van i'll take you to starbucks you can put a fucking bacon gouda thing in your mouth and you can pass out and wake up there but like we're brass tacks man we're we are i want as much time as i can to sleep right mm -hmm. and so we're not going to the after party we're not going to drive around all day looking for a place to lunch because your cousin said this place was popping or something right. like this. Like this is predetermined most of the time before we even show up back in the day, we used to have something called a tour book. Mm -hmm. Just, we would print them out and it would have, you know, the drive time where the hotel was the number for the hotel, a little map of where it was. Cause this is before mm -hmm. everybody had like iPhones and shit like that. It would be like, 
here's some places around the venue that you can eat for like under $20 or something like that. Here's places close to the hotel. Here's where we're leaving. Here's the drive time to the venue the next day. Here's the load in time. Here's sound check time. Like it is, it's a fucking job. Yeah. Like, and you're clocked in pretty much the whole time. Right. Except for when you're sleeping. I mean, it's more fun than that, but like, (laughs) yeah, no, I get what you're saying though. I mean, it is, yeah, there, there's not a lot of jobs where you're working the whole time and, you know, and your amount of sleep is a variable, you know, what you're getting to eat is a variable, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So it is tough. I don't know if I got it from you guys. I feel like I might've got it from Colin, but um, when we did our tour, I made a bunch of one sheets. Um, yeah. So like each day would have pretty much what you just said, you know, wake up time, time we leave, drive time, Airbnb location, code you know where to park all that kind of stuff and yeah that stuff is so important and if it was Colin I think it was he said don't answer any questions if people ask you questions tell them look at the one sheet you do not answer questions Colin should get look at the google calendar tattooed on his fucking (laughs) back because and for me specific I'm constantly being like okay so what time is the VIP and he'll be like google calendar look at the google calendar I'll be like, I'm asking you, motherfucker, what time is that? He'll be like, Google Calendar. Yeah, Same Colin's... thing. What time's load out? What time's load in? What time's fucking van call in the morning? Google Calendar. Yeah, that's and that's so important because if you, what I learned is that if you answer questions, they're gonna keep at, asking questions and nothing's gonna get done. And it's like, why they'll did I even lying on the thing that you have set yeah. up for them that has all the answers yeah. on it? And they'll just yeah. you become. What, why did you spend, I mean, it takes some days to yeah. set this up, right? It's like, it's, it's tough. if we're doing a two month tour, it, it, he even puts little facts about the city in there and shit. Yeah. Like this dude full so sends this motherfucker. Um, so it's like, why did he just spend, you know, three days setting up this Google calendar? I mean, it, there's everything in there. It's like yeah. the sound guy's name, the production guy's name, the fucking number. Right. Contacts, names. Yeah, yeah. All that. Oh, yeah. So Colin, I mean, I wanted to ask you about this too, like, because Colin seems like a fucking angel. Um, yeah. How did? Oh, yeah. And I saw the post uh, for your birthday. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Um, and I saw the pictures going way back to when you were probably, I don't know, you looked like you were 12, but it wow. could have been any year. <laughs> <laughs> it currently um, looks like I'm going through puberty right now. So, <laughs> so how did you guys meet? Um, and like, just tell me the story behind that, because I have no idea. We were kids, man. We went to high school together. Okay. Um, and, you know, like I was rapping, you know, even back then. And, mm. you know, Colin was the first person to like put any effort or interest into I guess my talent right Mm. but you know we were kids I never thought I was gonna do anything with it it was just like hey it would be fun if we did like we like made some songs so we made some songs and it was what it was and it was a really nice hobby um and then uh, something fucking happened for me and like it's just like my hobby became a little bit more serious I like started getting more involved with the local scene here in Seattle um things started ramping up for me well how did that happen was that just a mindset thing or? Uh, yeah, I think it was like a kind of a mixture of like a mindset and like just the people that I ended up like surrounding myself ah, with. Super. Um, and it was, you know, I, there was a, I'm gonna call it a local scene in Seattle, right? There's a local hip hop scene. But one of the things that I noticed is that there were no local fans for local artists. 
um, if that makes any sense. And yeah. this was a while ago, and that changed with uh, uh, an act called the Blue Scholars. And they were able. Oh to, yeah, like, I know them. Yeah. Tap into the high schools and shit, and like actually have like so kids were like going out to see local artists, and that was like never a thing. Right. Um, so that kind of like changed, and then we we at that point, you know, I kind of had to make a decision. Like I think I'm like. You know, I'm a, I'm a line cook and you know a studio assistant and all this other shit. But I'm I'm also a musician now, um, and you know my buddy is like, yo, you got all these songs, you got to put this record out. And so I put out my first record, which was Irreversible in 2007, and I had been like kind of mixtapey shit before that, like 2005 mm. till um, then, and like little MySpace songs. How'd you record it? we all pulled up and uh you know we all took our gear that we all had accumulated uh, and we we fucking kind of voltron this shit <laughs> into like our own studio and we found this super sketchy craigslist posting for this like abandoned real estate office right next to the space needle downtown seattle like it was fucked up um it's still there i wish i oh. I should go knock on that door. Yeah. Um, but it's still there. And he was like, it's going to get torn down in like two years or something like that. So I'm, I'm like the, the, you know, I manage the property, but you know, I run my like bike messenger business out of here. And then I fucking practice with my metal band oh. at the top floor there. And he's like, if you guys want to set up a little studio, you know, it'll be like $200 a month. And we're Damn. like, okay um so we did it and we built this little studio we called it the robot room um and you know we became for like all the local cats like we became like the local studio because wow. you know cats would show up we had the, uh you know he at the time he was like the engineer um his name was peter p smooth you know he now goes by he's an artist on youtube he goes by ten hun um mm. But uh, yeah, he was the fucking guy. And so he was like mixing and recording like all the cats and making beats for a lot of dudes in Seattle. And we kind of just created this like movement with that. Uh -huh. um, and then one of the artists that came through uh, the robot room was Grayskull. And they're like, hey, do you want to go on tour uh, with us as our DJ with Atmosphere? <laughs> and I was like, and I like called my buddy who was like starting to manage me at the time. I was like, this could be huge, but like, I don't really like, I'm going to be a fucking DJ. And he was like, well, tell him we'll cover the van cost. Right. So we'll cover the van cost. And then they got to let you rap one song a night. <laughs> um, and if anybody else rides in the van, they got to let you rap on their set too. Um, oh, smart. And then he's like, we're going to print. 10,000 demos, physical demos of the record that we were already just about to put out. It came out in like July or something like that. And then we went on tour in August. Oh. But I knew that I couldn't get people to buy the record, right? Like I couldn't be like, hey, you don't know me. Buy my $10 CD for free? in 2007. Well, instead of devaluing the record, we printed four of our favorite songs from the record and made oh. it a sampler and made 10,000 of them. And I hand-handed conversation with everybody, 10,000 demos shit. out. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, they I wasn't seeing them on the floor at the end of the night. And these yeah. were sold-out atmosphere shows 
um, and physical media was still king back then. Right. So people were holding on to these. And by the time we had gotten back, our iTunes sales had pretty much fucking paid for the 10,000 demos that we made. And like we like and then he was like, you have a fucking career now. And I got back and I was like talking to my boss about it, who was also like my mentor in the studio realm. Okay. Um, but he he had bought a restaurant and he was letting me work for him. And uh, he's like, hey, you don't work for me anymore. I was like, what? No, I need this fucking job. He's like, exactly. If you hold on to this job, oh. you are not going to commit yourself to what is lying right in front of you right now. And you like you need to leap in. And I was like, but I need the job. He's like, look, fall on your ass. I'll give you a job. But right. you don't work for me anymore. That's that's and so huge, man. That was crazy. And I was scared as shit. Um, and so I just dove into kind of what we were talking before. And that was like setting up my business, setting up my how do I want to be remembered by these people? How do I get asked back? How do I continually to like make this grow? Yeah with my resources because i don't want to rely on that big deal i don't want to rely on other people to help me out i don't want to rely on magic beans or anything like that like i want to see what i have in front of me and how can i make it grow right. um, so when they took you on tour um had you done shows before that oh yeah okay. years and years and years of shows really okay so yeah i i had a stage experience which is great i yeah. If you are an artist watching this right now and you want to go on tour and you haven't played a show, you need to fucking knock that shit off. Yeah. You need to go you need to go bust your chops somewhere before you think you can go on the road. Don't spray water on me and don't wave a towel in my face. I swear to fucking god with you right now. I swear to fucking and do not as the opener never fucking crowd surf. <laughs> crowd that is not yours don't yeah. you ever in your life okay. fucking what, do that shit what are some other terrible things openers um have done or could do to to ruin their relationship or potential future working with the, the headliner rap over one of the headliner's beats oh no yes it, it, <laughs> and it has happened so many times wow yeah what do you think the the thought behind that is like I can I do it better or just pay homage or just dumb. <laughs> I don't honestly, I think the reason why I don't know is because I can't fathom doing that. Right. I can't. To me, it makes so much sense to just not do like, why yeah. the fuck would you do that? Um, wow. One time we had a DJ uh, that was like DJing in between sets. And before any artist would go up, he would play all of their hit songs. <laughs> oh, no. And it, and I went up there. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I'm getting people hyped. I was like, you're making people go home. Yeah. Like, I'm about to play these songs <laughs> over this amplified sound system that people want to hear. And you just yeah. like, what are you doing right now, man? Um, so, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Um, if you haven't been asked to, you know, like, don't go in the artist space. Don't go right. knocking on the door. Do not fucking corner them and rap for them right like who who did that it worked for somebody everyone's like well it worked for blah 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 like lupe fiasco or something back in the day it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah well fuck all that yeah. you aren't lupe fiasco and i'm not kanye or whoever the fuck you're like i don't care don't do it to me um we actually have a sign on our uh, merch table that says no rap attacking 
<laughs> no says, violators will be shushed and shamed <laughs> um you know just like i don't like just be normal right like just yeah. be normal be respectful like treat it like it's your job like a job that you like right and you're like cool with everybody so like show up be cool but also like know your boundaries uh put on a professional show go on on time and end on time right always yeah. the, the the stage manager should never have to find you um you should know when your sound check is and 100 it won't be that time it'll probably be later yeah. but you are there and you are ready to go and you are quiet and you're not yelling at anybody you're not showing up with 20 of your friends and recording right. the fucking sound check of the headliner being like we out here doing it. like just be fucking normal man like be normal be respectful like it's so easy to do yeah. um okay how about how about for you um back in the day or even maybe recently did you ever fuck up real bad um, like maybe just a bad show or you social faux pas, something like that. Uh, yeah. One time I had like a 102 degree fever in Philly and I said the wrong football team in Philly. Oh yeah. Did they murder you? I was <laughs> like, yeah, just pretend you're at like a fucking blah, blah, blah game. They're like, what's up dog. I was like, <laughs> oh shit. Uh, oh, oh. check this song out <laughs> you know it just kept going that's some uh, solid crowd work there <laughs> at a sold out show in vegas one time i was wearing these supras that had these boot laces on them but they were like you know they're just a like a mid top sneaker right, right. and had boot laces on the top and then and they had these like x like kind of woven stitches on the side and i was you know i was like got in the crowd like at its peak and i'm like peacocking across stage and those bootlaces hook into those stitchings on oh the, yeah of my so my feet lock together and i just pull, <laughs> bam, just face plant just right onto the decking like just you can hear my face hit the fucking stage and i'm you know i got a wireless yeah. mic and i'm just like <laughs> you don't know, knock the air out of myself and everything and the whole crowd is like oh shit and it, you know there's it's the house of blues in vegas it's like three thousand people it's sold the fuck out uh that shit was mad embarrassing pants did that in germany one time yeah. he like we had just we killed it it was such a good show and pants was like blah blah i just you know good night and we're leaving and pants just falls off the back of the stage and like really fucks himself up oh, and no. the whole crowd is like oh <laughs> like house music goes off and it's just quiet and his pants just going ah <laughs> and it's like a not a very big venue you know it's like a 200 cap venue and he like ripped his back open he was like oh, bleeding no. down his ass and it was like it was fucking crazy and Damn. like the whole crowd was just like oh oh my god <laughs> wow um, pants is such a good dancer too i wouldn't expect him to it was just a small stage and he yeah. just like took like the wrong step and just yeet right. right off the back so so when did pants get involved because when i listened to greaves and i knew of greaves i never knew there was a pants involved so i've hired like over the years of all this i've hired like different musicians to um kind of achieve my like live vision um so he you know he he's jumped in and out of like different studio sessions and stuff like that but ultimately like 
pants and I are like road dogs. We, yeah. he, he is, you know, I make the music. Sometimes we make the music together, you know, but ultimately like I'm making these songs and then bringing it to him and kind of reimagining it. And then we're working it out and like, how can we do this the best way? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, pants is a really great example of like that attitude, that really good yeah. attitude that Just you making want. Good, good impression. Yes. Yeah. yeah like people remember pants and right. he's a good dude um and you know just always shows up with that good attitude and like willingness to work and he's not like bitching and complaining he doesn't feel like he's owed everything he understands like what everything is um yeah i love pants and you know i almost didn't hire him because he was when i hired him he was 20 oh yeah that's he right. was 20 before and he was going to be 21 when the tour started but i was like I adamantly was against it. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm hiring this 20 year old boy to go on tour with us. Like, and you know, my manager at the time was like, I just need you to sit in a room with him and like, just fucking sit and see if you like anything. Like, I don't care. We don't have to hire him, but you, you do have to go through the process with everyone that we're looking at right now. Mm. So we can find the right fit. I spent like a couple hours with him in like a you know a rehearsal session and i was just like i love this fucking guy yeah he's amazing and then after the first tour i was like this guy's great yeah how long how long ago was that uh that that you started working with him 2017 okay i think yeah it's only like a couple years before um i saw you guys yeah because the chemistry was crazy because when i saw you guys perform I was legitimately like, this is what Greaves is like this, this chemistry, the way you guys were working together and just the, the show was so well put together. And, um, it was just, it was a pleasure to watch. And then he does a little dance and then you guys just have just this great chemistry. Well, it's a well-oiled machine. That's the other thing I keep talking about work and everything. Like, yeah, I pay pants for rehearsals. Um, I treat rehearsals like you should, right. it's not like us sitting around drinking beer, fucking doing like, I do everything like I I program my own lights like I show up with a fucking show and it is well rehearsed it is a well-oiled machine and I'm very fucking particular about it yeah um and pants is good at that like pants is good at adhering to that and and contributing to that right you know he'll come and help me write lights and be like oh we should do this here he was way more um knowledgeable of Ableton than I was at that time so he was like creating different things and I was like here's the deal like this tour, we're not making a lot of money. We got to downgrade. Like we can't bring all this fucking gear out because we need room for merch. So how are we going to have our show that we've been doing with all this shit, right? How are we going to do it with none of this shit? Like how are we going to do it with just this keyboard, mm-hmm. right? How are we going to do that? Um, and then Pants, instead of being like, well, I don't know. He just immediately jumps on it and figures it out. Yeah. And yeah, that's so-, so important, man. Just the ability to adapt um, and not get frustrated. I mean, because a lot yeah. of people just complain about when things change or, you know, when things go wrong, and just the ability to adapt is, is so crucial. Um, yes, yeah, scale and, then, it. and with the shows, right? Like when I was watching, the other thing I noticed was not only the show itself was so well put together. Um, in in going back, like I always tell people that your show is your product, right? Like people are paying to see you, um, so it better be as good as it can be um, as an experience. And when you do that you have an ability to connect with the people in the audience. And it's almost like, um, 
like you've developed a lot of different uh, strategies um, or phrases sometimes of how you get them to emotionally connect with you. Um, Cause I think I was here in Arizona. Um, I forget which venue it was, but you're talking to them like, man, I remember the last time I was here or like 10 years ago and you were getting all these people like reminiscing and yeah. sentimental. And it was, I was like, wow, this guy is so professional, like beyond what you think of as like a, a concert performer. Well, I'm lucky because I do like I can tell a story about any city that I go to at <laughs> yeah. this point because I have them. Right. Um, and and most of the times I have stories about the venues or like the crazy person in the front row that's always there. Like I'm able to create that because of how many years I've been going out. And that 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 little spiel just kind of happened because I didn't know what to do. Mm. Um, I there was just like a dead space that I was like okay, shit, well, let's talk about Phoenix, you know, like, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> and, and then it worked out so well, especially pants knows my cues. So I'm able to, I can talk for 20 minutes right. or 20 seconds and pants knows when I'm done talking. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I don't it's, have to turn yeah. around and be like, play the song motherfucker. <laughs> like he knows, you know, exactly when I'm done talking and, you know, we, when we have rants, I set before, you know, like a song like Kidding Me or something like that. I'll be like, I'm going to talk. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I mean, it'll be within the realm of, you know, like what I always talk about, but it's never going to be the same. Right. But when I say this at the end, you know, and, and that's why we can never go back to Arizona or something like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. <laughs> then you know that it's kind of like a one, two, three, boom. Oh, yeah. Like, then you know to start the song. And in our ears, I'm on click. So oh, I yeah. know when the one is, even when I'm talking. And it's not like I'm so talking crazy. to rhythm or anything like that, but I can slow it down so that we launch the track boom. now. <laughs> yeah, and that's so he'll know. So cool. Yeah. Um, did, did you always talk during shows? Like, and how do you, how important do you think that is um, when you start out? Cause I think a lot of people, um, they're really nervous, right? They're, yeah. they're not comfortable in front of people and especially not just freestyle and talking um, as opposed to like going off of memorized lyrics for the song they're about to perform. And so they get kind of scared to, to take too much time in between songs or to bore the audience. You know, maybe they don't know who you are. Um, so you always talk though to the audience. I think it started out as a nervous behavior oh, to be okay. fair. Like, uh, I think I just was like, bah, 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 bah. like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, dead space. Uh, what do I do with dead space? Uh, fuck, uh, tell a joke or something, you know, like, yeah. um, so I do believe that it started as, um, nervous behavior and it, it definitely took me some time to kind of like hone it in. And even now there, you gotta know when to do it and when not to do it. And mm. if, that I don't really know how to describe you. It's kind of just like a cadence of the night. Like if yeah. if you do, if you start, like your show is this locked in thing, right? Like we play the same songs every night. I talk here, I talk there. Or sometimes I'll just like, oh, bah, and I'll like speak on something. But, you know, Pants already knows how to handle that. But like if you get into your first discussion piece or whatever the evening and the crowd is, if you're losing them, then you either got to shorten that part. Maybe you kind of overshot that, like right. in rehearsals, like that's too long. I've had Colin come be like, you need, 
you talk for like 10 minutes, dude. <laughs> like yeah. my set, if I'm playing an hour long set, we would, we would uh, sanction like 15 minutes hmm. of no music. So it would be like, you know, we'd need 45 minutes of music and then 15 minutes of like, you know, interludes and talking and, you know, right. random times to joke and like shit like that. So it's like a chunk of my set is me like just being there in that room with you, yeah. which is how I look at it. Um, yeah. But especially if it's not your crowd, then how mm. do you do that? It's so hard, right? Because they right. don't know you like that. Yeah. So how do you shorten that idea? Um, and ultimately that's with scripted material. You know, you come up with something quick and fast to the point that segues into the next song. It's funny. It's who you are. Right. That's the other thing. It's not like if, if you're not a funny guy, don't do funny shit. Right. You know? if, if you're <laughs> yeah. a funny guy, don't fucking stand up there on some hard shit. Yeah. You know, like if they don't know you, they're not going to play the guessing game with you. Yeah. Like, just let them know who you are and what you're there to do. And if they like it, they're, they're going to be there for you. Um, and if yeah. your music and your personality and all that stuff is good enough, then like, honestly, my fans are locked into you. Like yeah. they'll, they will be, they will ride for you. They don't know the difference of you. Like they don't know that you're a local artist or, you know, that's why I love bringing mouse on tour with me because mm. mouse has that mouse has that ability to charm a crowd quickly and efficiently. Mm. And they don't know that he isn't like pulling numbers they don't know that he's got two day jobs and it's like as far as they're concerned this guy's a fucking seasoned pro right yeah yeah man with your shows from what i've seen um the performance part the the singing the the actual music is really good and then yeah when you're up there and you're talking and it's just you um it almost feels like that's worth so much more um because the show is great but the music they know they can go listen to it whenever they yeah. want and in person it's different obviously but when you're just there like kind of talking almost directly to them you know that's kind of like what the the difference in the experience is for them is like i'm getting to hang out with greaves for a little bit like right now it's just me and him you know he's that's talking yeah it's it's awesome it's a it's a and i think a lot of people miss out on that and you know you, like you said if they're not your crowd it's going to be more difficult but i think showing more of yourself besides just the music um, is very important for connecting with the audience because they're just people. You're just a person. You got to make that person to person connection. I think. Dude. I mean, like, think about it. Let's say you got a song about like heartbreak or something like that. Right. right? And maybe this is true. Maybe it's not, it doesn't always have to be right. right? It, what, what it has to do is stimulate the emotion that you have created in that song right so you could like play your song or you know and then your song ends and then you can either loop the beginning or intro or some part of that song or play you know have hire a little piano dude or something to come and like play something in the key of your next song right and like you know it could be as quick as you know february 29th 2017 i woke up alone and that was the first time that i woke up alone in two years damn that here's was... this song right <laughs> yeah. and people are like okay <laughs> yeah what is yeah. this and and then and then the song so you don't even have to be like and here's a song about it just be like yeah. 
February 29th of 2017, I woke up alone and I hadn't woken up alone in two years. Yeah. Song starts. Yeah. I'm fucking listening. Right. Yeah, right. So it doesn't have to be over the top. It doesn't have to be crazy. Um, it helps if it's true, but you know, as long as it's something simple that, that people can connect with. Yeah. It goes a long way because they, it puts the song into perspective, right? Yeah. Cause especially when you're hearing a song for the first time, at a show you don't know what it's going to be about you don't know if you're going to like it you don't know if you're going to connect with any part of it but if you set it up in that way where it's like it's about this so if you're familiar with this this should resonate with you um i think yeah. that that really helps set the stage um and then you said that colin stepped in to tell you you talked too long one time yeah, all the time yeah. yeah i wanted to ask more about that and your relationship with colin like because he's your manager or tour manager both both okay yeah so yeah what is that relationship like? Um, how often do you guys talk? What do you talk about? Like, how does that go? Well, we talk all the time. Okay. Because, uh, you know, Colin nine to five is he's on salary with me. He's it's like business. Right. Um, and so he is constantly Colin is the most efficient, thorough motherfucker I've ever met in my life. So he is constantly finding ways to stay busy. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'm getting email after email after email, and then he knows I suck with email, so he'll call me in the middle of the day and be like, let's talk about all these emails I sent you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we'll just bang that shit out. And, but then also, you know, like later that night, he'll be like, yo, did you see this fucking video game? Like, Check <laughs> yeah. this out. Um, so it's like business and, you know, friendship as, right. as well. And he started out as my tour manager. Uh, he started out as my merch person. Oh. And then... Uh, tour manager merch person and now tour manager merch person and manager wow. and he's got a grasp on everything he understands everything from you know the ground up because he is he's been there yeah um, yeah that's crazy because i mean yeah i mean everything i know about you not to take anything away from you but a lot of the success comes from colin's colin yeah all his, his work ethic and just his attention to detail and you know he's obviously on every correspondence that we have professionally um, cause he's your manager, but I, I always get curious because every, you know, people ask me like, what is a manager? They say they want a manager. I'm like, I don't know if you know what a manager is or like what a manager yeah. does. Um, and every relationship is different. So I think it is, I think it's important to have, um, you know, a working relationship that also has the friendship aspect, you know, to where you can talk about regular shit. You can talk about, you know, video games or TV or, you know, whatever else is going on in your life. Um, because at the end of the day you're both just people right you have the same yeah. goal um you know for your work and your career but you know if you can't be friends i think it's very difficult so do you usually have a friendship with the people you work with or have you ever had strictly like business relationships i have had strictly business relationships mm -hmm. um and you know those can be beneficial too when it's just like you know i'm gonna call you when i need this um right. and you know we don't have to worry about you know all the other shit like you know what I need. I know you got it. Let's just fucking, you know, <laughs> do that. Um, but also, yeah, I'm a fucking, I'm a friendly guy. So I also like, I tend to take it to the next level with a lot of people mm. um, as far as like adding a friendship to it. Like a lot of the people that just started out as business relationships, it's like, right. you know, I've been to their weddings and like, you know, we're, we're homies now. Like I have yeah. their Christmas cards on my fucking fridge and vice versa. Um, so it's, I just, I like to surround myself with people that I like to work with, you know, right. like that I just genuinely like being around. Um, you know, Justin from Copycats is a great example of that. 
it started out as you know he was the guy that was he printed those 10,000 demos he was my you know replicator now he's I, I consider him like a really close friend yeah um we've known each other for so long he's seen all my ups and downs in this business and he's been there for every single moment of it right. um it's hard to you just kind of develop a friendship when you go through that shit with people yeah. um yeah and i feel but, like it, it has to help with the downs right because if you're if you like does. the people you're working with even if you know something's not working out at least you like the people you're working with if you hate the people you're working with mm. and things start to take a downward turn um you're a pretty unhappy person i think at that point you know you don't have to be best, best friends with your accountant right <laughs> yeah. like yeah. you should like them and trust them but you don't have to like go to their fucking son's bar mitzvah or anything like that like yeah. or daughter's quinceanera like you don't like there there are some things that i think are like perfectly fine to have just like uh, you know a business relationship i think you know i'm thinking about my own experiences my accountant is definitely one of those people like okay. i call you during tax season yeah and like a couple but times I mean, if you're during inner the year, circle though i mean inner circle it should be people that you trust and value their you know their company yeah um because especially if you're on the road with them right like dude it's it, unless you're all traveling in like separate buses you know <laughs> Uh, which you aren't uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's just i don't know like you're around these people day in day out you might as well like them yeah and it's okay to like go through some people too like if if you know you hire somebody and you know it's okay to like not just because you're homies too like you hire your your friend cc to be like a tour manager or something like that and cc yeah. fucking just can't get the job done then like it's all love cc but i got it you know yeah. this is still something that i really want and i can't have you fucking this up for me right. but yeah. you know you know your name is permanent guestless i got you cc i got you cc yeah so you got to find that balance man it can't just be oh we're just we're really good friends but he's not good at the job or he's really good yeah. at the job and you can't i mean for me i don't think an artist should have a manager that they can't talk with you know like just about their life um because yeah. you know being an artist is pretty much your whole life usually yeah. um and so yeah to not be able to communicate and just have a friendship um would be rough um and then especially like the ups and downs did having people in your life help with that because you mentioned you've gone through ups and downs in your career everyone does um how did you deal with it and were there people that that helped you through it or how how do you work through it kind of head down man like just you know it, it having people like Colin that can sympathize with mm -hmm. what you're going through because they care about you personally beyond right. like well if you don't make it this quarter then i'm probably jumping ship because you know it's not it's not that relationship yeah. um also he has a lot invested in it too you know yeah. like this is his job if, if i'm not making money he's not making money right. so um it's it's a lot different um but you know it's it's having people around you that value you enough to give a fuck about you when those things happen beyond just like because it's not all great times this is yeah. hard fucking work too even even when you're not in a low in your career you could be at a high point and shit just fucking sucks right now like <laughs> none of you yeah. have time to see your family is like yeah. it's just hard you're constantly go 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 mm. go 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 and that is exhausting um, and that for me, I consider low points. Like right. when I'm not myself because of how hard I'm working, 
that's a low point for me um, because I'm not treating the people around me with the same love and respect that I normally do because I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, so I, I got to, you know, whether it's those times or whether it's like there's no money coming in, what are we, you know, there's a fucking worldwide pandemic going <laughs> yeah. on. What are we going to do? <laughs> we, you know, real point, like, you know, we're on tour and Colin's sitting with me in a, in a fucking parking lot somewhere in Canada. We got a bus wrapped with our names on it. We've been on tour for eight days and, you know, we're getting federally called home uh, to end this tour. We're threatened with fines and all sorts of shit. Like, and, you know, we're sitting in this parking lot. We got like $40,000 worth of merchandise sitting in the fucking trailer that we're supposed to sell, you know, $40,000 worth of what we spent on the merchandise we're gonna make a lot more than that on that you know for this yeah. tour and you know we're sitting there eight days into this tour and he's like we gotta go home um he instead of him being like well I, you know i don't know you'll bounce back from this buddy <laughs> uh, it's like you know that night when we finished the last show he had all the numbers down on what i stood to lose just from going home like when i woke up the next morning here's what you lose um here's what you were gonna make yeah. here's what you lose um here's your debt here's your income and we'll come up with ideas to figure it out right. um and you know at that time people were like there's grant money there's grant money and but everyone's like where yeah. <laughs> and I don't so know any but, motherfuckers who got a grant but i got five hundred dollars <laughs> Oh, you did? And, yeah. And they're like, hope this helps. And I'm like, for what? Like McDonald's yeah. money? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, this don't help. Like, I get it. But, and they're like, could you please like retweet and repost that you were? Oh. And I'm like, hell no. Hell yeah. no. Um, But whatever, you know, 500, I'll take that 500, yeah. especially at that time. But, you know, it, 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 it became okay, well, what are we going to do? And Colin's like, well, you got all this merch. How are we going to do that? You know, how are we going to do that? Um, you got to get out your contract. Um, you know, if you're not making any money, but they're taking half of what you are earning, you got to like, so we pivoted like real hard this year yeah. and we made some pretty significant changes, some big yeah. scary changes. Um, but we pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps and we got the fuck out of that situation. Um, and, you know, we had a pretty good year. Um, <laughs> yay uh, yeah. yeah and if 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 it was if i did if he wasn't like family if it wasn't that like he wouldn't feel like he's struggling with me you right. know he'd just be like damn it really sucks for sucks ben. man <laughs> yeah it sucks for ben but i'm good i got 20 other clients that are you know still bringing in money so um call me if you if shit changes <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah. but you know we were lucky our agent same thing he stayed with us uh you know colin and i fought through the hardest year of my, my career for sure the biggest hole you know i dug out of the biggest hole i've ever fucking seen in, in my career yeah. um just because i didn't go on tour just because i you know i don't take tour advance money from the label i advance it all myself so right. that way i'm only paying myself back and i'm making profit the second it comes in yeah um you know i I took a chance on myself. Well, like I do all the time and I lost this time. Yeah. So it's, it, it shows, it opened my eyes to how much of a gamble this can be. 
it yeah. opened my eyes to some of the things that we were doing that we didn't even think about, like, you know, floating $40,000 worth of merch on a credit card with a 19.8 APR oh, yeah. is, is a <laughs> terrible idea, but we never needed to worry about that because two yeah. weeks into the tour, the fucking credit cards paid off. Yeah, You know, like it's, we've never had to worry about that. And now moving forward, like I'm taking some little tricks, like moving forward, I'm, I'm fighting for that low, low card. I'm going to, you know, I'd, I'd look into credit unions and mm. shit like that to try to get, cause you know, you do got to float shit sometimes, yeah. like, especially if you're going on tour. Um, so, you know, I'm, I've learned some new things during this, especially about like money, yeah. um, that, you know, I'll tighten a few things up moving forward um and just kind of see how it goes but um as catastrophic as this year was i learned some pretty important things that i was doing wrong that i wouldn't have been taught those lessons if you know i wouldn't have suffered this and you know hopefully we'll never need to call on these things ever again because we won't have to go through anything like this um but you know you might stand to save a couple bucks at the end you know Yeah, I mean, that that really is, you know, the main takeaway is that everyone realized how fragile the whole system is, you know, and especially with tours, like there's a lot of things that can go wrong. But uh, yeah, I mean, a pandemic that prevents all venues from opening and having people in it, that's about <laughs> as bad as it gets. Um, so, I mean, obviously, this was probably definitely the worst um, thing that's ever happened to a tour for you. But had you run into things like this in the past, maybe like a couple canceled shows or was there anything near this magnitude? Because, I mean, 15 years, no. right? Like Nothing. weather, yeah. uh, illness. Uh, but even then, motherfucker, we're showing up. Like, I yeah. honestly think I've only missed like three or four shows in my whole That's career. Crazy. Um, as yeah. a headliner, probably less. Yeah, and like, that's what I'm saying, man. 15 years of touring, 15 years or more, maybe. And all of a sudden, it's gone. So, yeah, I mean, these advances that you're floating on the merchandise and all that didn't feel like risks, you know, because everything's like, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Um, yeah. And yeah, and we learned, you know, shit can just not. Well, everything's an algorithm. Like, Colin, you know, by the time we leave, right? So, when all that merch finally shows up and it's like a week before we leave we got pre-sale numbers on, you know, the first two weeks easy. I mean, we have pre-sale numbers on the whole tour, but we're looking at like shaping up to what the show's going to look like by, you know, you know, we could within two weeks and the day of is always a huge pop on, on ticket sales, but like we can run it to, to stand if just these people showed up Um, last time you know so we save our numbers from everything so we can be like okay look last time we were in phoenix um you know we played a 500 cap room 300 people or 350 people showed up that's x percent capacity we sold 2500 dollars in merch um that's an average of you know 15 bucks a person so let's just drop that down to 12 let's say 12 bucks a person with 200 pre-sales we're standing to make this much money you know 200 times 12 um off a low estimate merch um so move forward to the next day you know blah 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 blah. we're able to like low budget um 
what we're doing so that we don't over order and all sorts of shit like that yeah it way more goes into this than you can possibly imagine it's like crazy. it's not it's yeah i mean and we because and you know for our tour we tried to figure it out having none of that experience and none of those numbers of like hmm how many mediums do we need versus you know like trying to figure out it's all hard. these yeah it's tough man um so yeah, and regionally it changes right it's like, right. you know, we're on the West Coast. We're not really doing a lot of triple XLs or anything yeah. like that. And then we get in, in the Midwest and we're not selling balls or <laughs> balls, mediums yeah. at all. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> okay, man. So we're at about an hour and a half. These usually only go an hour. Um, so, uh-huh. yeah, this is awesome. Uh, just talking to you, man. And just because we've known each other for a while, but I still feel like there's so much I don't know about you. Um, but yeah, man, this is a great <laughs> a mystery. Talk. I know I told you before this, I'm going to try and reveal your soul, but we got, we got in there a little bit, you know, I'm going to, we can maybe make this a, you, a you can always thing. have me back. I'd be happy to answer any questions. <laughs> it seemed like this one got pretty heavy on the touring and yeah, um, I think it's cause I miss it so much. I know. Well, and that's, you have so much experience in it that I just want to get it all out for as much as I can learn so that people can learn when they take their tour. Because uh, one of my other posts on Patreon was, uh, the spreadsheets that we made um, and the one sheets that we made for our tour. So when people try to do their own tours, they can kind of follow that. And then if mm. we take, you know, a lot of the gems that you just dropped and, and pair that, I think a lot of people have a lot of success. As I could probably to... just grab, you know, I could, you know, I'm going to ask Colin about it, okay. but I could probably just grab one of Colin's and oh, that'd be he awesome. has them all as blank templates and shit. Yeah. Like yeah. So just dump one on you guys. And Hell yeah. That would be Uncle Greaves' gift <laughs> Uncle to, Greaves, to, yeah. to your uh, Patreon page. Well, I'm happy yeah. to do it. I'm happy to see people get organized and, you know, um, do all that shit. I don't know if you've talked about, you know, before we dip, touring lists, you know, sheets. Um, mm. I think an important thing to talk about would be a tech rider. Um, oh, which is, right. You know, what you need for your setup. Mm-hmm. Because the, the another thing, the curse of the local opener showing up you know they they book you and it's like yeah i'm timmy two raps or whatever and like <laughs> i have a dj and and then you show up with a nine piece band and oh. like it could be just because you were feeling yourself that day or some shit like yeah. that like or you like oh it's greaves well greaves does live instruments so shit i got a tuba player i got a motherfucking <laughs> xylophone player like and this happens a lot and yeah. it's like you first of all i'm not moving any of my shit right like right. my stage is set up exactly how i want it if i move it then shit gets unplugged you're fucking kicking shit around like yeah. my shit stays and then you know the, the guy touring with me the main support i want his shit to stay too but like if we got to move it around we'll work with you and we'll move right. it around um but you know we got lights they can't move they have to stay right there because they're pre-programmed they right. can't just like willy-nilly be anywhere <laughs> yeah um yeah so you know we we set up a specific like we have like laser measurers and shit on stage like oh. my shit has to be there i'm not moving it i'm not setting up those fucking measures again in front of the crowd like my shit is set up it stays yeah. if you show up with a nine-piece band you're playing on the floor <laughs> if it ain't a right. big ass stage yeah. you're playing on the floor man we had someone ask um we we're like finding openers for the shows we had someone ask is it okay if i bring a drummer and a bassist and we're like dude i I don't know. We've never played there before. <laughs> like maybe, yeah. you know, like, and you just, you're causing headaches for, for people trying to give you this opportunity. And so, and it could be possible, but that's why you need a tech writer. When right. you get booked on this show, you need, and we'll, we can send you one. There's a something called stage plot, 
It's mm. just a program that you can use to design your stage plot. Yeah. Um, and it's like you in the center with your rappy thing, and then maybe <laughs> your drummer over here, and then your bass player, and then you need, you know, uh, five mics or something. You know, so you need five lines for the drums. Mm. You need one line for the bass plus a vocal line so it's two and then you need a vocal line so you got eight lines all day that's eight channels on the board mm -hmm. how many channels am i using catch me on a good day 24 motherfucker so are there enough channels even left on the board or does now the sound guy gotta pull some of my channels to mm -hmm. plug you in um not to mention i'm traveling with my main support so if i'm doing 16 channels and he's eight channels and we're on a 32 channel board you're probably good if we're on a 24 channel board yeah. squeezing it <laughs> you're squeezing in there and we'll make it work but like if you show up with 16 channels and in-ears and all sorts of crazy shit and fuck flamethrowers play a 20 minute opening set yeah. like have you ever had fireballs have you thought about it on the on the stage i've had them when i played like festivals and shit okay. you know yeah. but I never have like a lighting guy for those things. Mm. So I never know when they're going off and they scare the fuck out of me, especially with them I air bet. cannons too, the yeah. ones that shoot the steam. Yeah. Oh God. I've played festivals where it's just like, ha! <laughs> in, the middle, in the middle of my shit. And they always do it like, you know, during like the biggest, like hardest moments of the right, song. Yeah. Like, ba -ba -da -ba -da. ah! <laughs> fucking the fuck out of off. You. They're loud as shit, man. Yeah, yeah I would suggest we're gonna get you guys uh okay. collins fucking yeah it'd be awesome man but also yeah. look into a stage plot so you can show up give it to the sound guy here's how many channels i need that's a step in that professionalism that people right. are gonna be like i love this guy yeah. i love this gal i love this person um yeah it's almost like that. that uh dress for the job you want not the job you have kind of thing like step up into that professional level of where you want to be um, before you even get there and that's how yeah. you get there <laughs> no one's gonna fucking shit on you for having your shit in right. order like right. if you show up and you're like here's a list of you know here's my stage plot it's super simple it's three channels it's a you know stereo dj line and my mic right. if you got an extra one my dj will take a mic but this is how right. we're this is how we practice it but if you want to give him a mic that'd be great too um da 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 da, -da. my set is 25 minutes um looks like i'm going on at 9 15 i'll be ready to go um my merch table's right over there so if you you know that's where i'm going to be kicking it so if for some reason you need me a little early you just come get me like just communicate yeah. and, you know they're so used to dealing with people that suck yeah. that when you hit them with some shit like that they're gonna be like yeah <laughs> Bro, and these are so gems. Easy. These are gems so that people easy. don't understand. Like they don't even know these concepts exist. Like, what is that? Like you're telling them things that if they knew this, they would do it. And if they do it, they'll be booked at those venues. You know, I can do it. Do yeah. this. All right, man. Wrapping yeah, it I gotta up. Take the babysitter home. Okay, Greaves, Benjamin, appreciate you so much. Uh, let's try and do this again. Um, just I, I love talking to you, man. Uh, so thank you, and uh, talk to you again soon, man. Hell yeah. All right.